talk about non-self. Joseph gave a very good talk. Oh, okay, yes. Where is the paper? Give me the paper, please. Okay. So let us take together the precept. I've just been reminded today's full moon day. Is full moon? Half moon. But really, does the moon become half? <laughs> Today we'll talk about it. <laughs> I understand that piece, but let's do it. If you have a paper, let's go. One, two, three. Namo tasa bhagavato arahat sama sambudasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arato samasam Namo tasa bhagavato arato samasam Buddham saranam gachami Dhammam saranam gachami Sangam saranam gachami Dutyampi Buddham Sanam Gachami Tatyampi Dhamman Sanam Sangam Sanam Gachami Tatyampi Buddham Tatyampi Tatiampi sangam sangacha panati pata veramani sikapadam samadhyami adinadana veramani sikapadam samadhyami abrahmacharya veramani sikapadam samadhyami Musavada Veramani Sikapadam Samadhi Sura Meraya Majapamadatana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhi Vikala Bojana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhi Achagita Vadita Visukadasana Maraganda Virepana Dharana Mandana Vibhusanatana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Uchasana Mahasayana Veramani 
kapada samadhyami idame sila maga palanyanasa pacheyo otu sadu 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 So, dear uh, friends, uh, today uh, I'd like to talk about I'd like to talk about non-self anatta. And I was saying uh, Joseph gave a very good talk, and I said, should I talk about it or should I just? I told him. He said, Joseph told me you can always say something. <laughs> and then I said, okay. Maybe I should talk non-self uh, with a chocolate flavor. <laughs> Same thing, but give it a different flavor. of adding more like a microwave approach to breaking through self-delusion, but I said no. Maybe microwave approach will be, make you uh, feel the urgency of re- realize this insight, but I say gradual approach to realizing these insights into non-self. What keeps me amazing, this is the real thing that keeps me amazing, is that the questions about anatta are always the same. It's amazing. You might get a different version, but it's always the same. In 99, I was here for three months retreat. For some reason, I don't know how IMS got to know about my birthday. But anyway, they got the date right. And now I went to the dining. There was a birthday card and some goodies like cake and all that. I enjoyed it, though we're not supposed to enjoy it, but I did enjoy the cake. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to eat the cake more mindful. <laughs> but as I was eating, I said, I've heard about this teaching. Hmm? I've heard about this teaching. There's no self. Then I start warming up. You know, I don't know if you hustle your reports when you're going to see the teacher. There's some kind of rehearsal. You know, what I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell her. I start rehearsing. Now, if there's no self, whose birthday are you celebrating? <laughs> yeah. I came up with that question. And I would later on actually find it in many places. I know I was in a conference in Washington, D.C., with the Dalai Lama and all these top scientists. In the middle of the conference, I remember Sharon was there and all these John, John Kabat-Zinn. One scientist, whether from Canada, I don't remember, maybe Germany, we are talking about the top cream doctors, came up with a question. If there is no self, then who is in a conference? I say, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) 
Here again, there is no single retreat I've led where the question doesn't come. And uh, this is Mind and Life Conference, whereby I wasn't part of the panel, so I was just over there. I knew the answer. <laughs> but who am I in this kind of cream around the world? I just kept with my <laughs> They start lingering around with the question, but still people were not convinced. It passed. <laughs> it's always like that. You just leave it to people to figure it out. Questions like, if there's no self, then who's meditating? Question like this, if there's no self, then who's reborn? There's so many variations. You can be sure. In fact, I told my Peer, Stephen, that I'm, this my day off, but I'll come to Joseph's Q&A because I knew that question would pop up. It's still here, 20 years down the road, at least when I started my question. This question usually arises from not understanding what Buddha accepted and what the Buddha didn't accept. That is very, very important. And I thought I'm going to address this. But also I'd like to uh, let you know that the teaching on self-notion, belief, it predates Buddha's teaching. It was there in Upanishads in India, full of it. And when the Buddha came in sixth century, he found out actually people had a certain belief in self. On one side, they believed that there's a kind of a, a spiritual, uh, metaphysical self that survives forever, even when you die. It just passes either through the nose or what, I don't know. But anyway, they believed so. <laughs> And that belief uh, brought in some views which we call eternalistic views. Hmm? Eternity, believing in eternity. That however much you slice a human being, always there's something that's going to go to the next life. While that belief uh, was existing, the Buddha found out that people who are believing like that they undermine the effort, practice, in order to gain liberation. It undermines ethics, uh, no moral conduct, because after all, the soul is going to go to the next life. And also it undermines the law of karma. What you do has the potential to bring results, whether wholesome or unwholesome. So, the Buddha said, this is not going to help. Yes, so he put that on one extreme. Then on, on one extreme, I think you need to know this in order to appreciate this teaching and even get closer to what we are doing here, actually. On one extreme end, we had people who believed 
that uh, a self is actually physical, material, is physical. And to them, uh, at the moment of death, earth goes to earth, fire goes to fire, and you are kaput. So that's called annihilation, views. So you look at these views opposing each other. You call it binary, op- binary opposing views, one opposing on the, uh, uh, the other. But something they had in common is that both views undermine the law of karma, effort, and ethics. So you can commit anything, kill somebody, steal somebody, but after all, you're going to die. At the end of the, the, your life, nothing will continue on. So Buddha had an issue also with that one. And he, actually there are 62 views we find in a discourse. But all of them belong to those views. But, uh, when the Buddha came, he said, no, I'm just going to teach my teaching that actually gets out of those views, the extreme views. So, and he branded his teaching middle path. So we have middle doctrine, which is actually dependent origination. Somebody will talk about it. And also we have the middle practice, which is the noble eightfold path. So the noble eightfold path is the path that leads to um, overcoming those views and really realize actually non-self. Most people think, oh, what can I practice to gain uh, this, te- uh, this insight into non-self? It's a practice you are doing here. It's the practice that you are doing every time. It's a gradual process, and I think it's very, very important to know that when the Buddha taught this teaching, and many teaching actually, it's very important to remember it was a critical response to what's going on in that time. Failure to do to remember this, we are going to just gamble with the teaching and all the things, we mix them and all that. But once you really know uh, the discourse where the Buddha said, I'm teaching this teaching to avoid the extremes, there he talks about sensual indulgence as an extreme. On one extreme, it talks about self-modification. But the deeper meaning of this is really actually staying out of these views. And once you know this, really you'll find out all the teaching that we've been offering you. It's all about addressing that issue. Most people think that they're going to just meditate and the bulb of thunder will just drop on them and all of a sudden it's non self <laughs> no, it's not like that. <laughs> it's, I think this is a question of uh, washing machines that are here and microwave. You know, just get, get tea and uh, just put in the microwave and get a cup of tea. Most people think that their practice is going to be like that. <laughs> and for me from Africa, going to my grandmother, I used to wash my clothes and then prepare a cup of tea. Those things took time. It would take me 30 minutes to make a cup of tea. Look for fire. Those have been in Uganda. Maybe you don't know that. But if you go in a village, you have to get firewood. You have to get 
you have to get water from deep there and the valley, and then you start boiling it, and, and then you keep on starting fire, and it goes off. And so a couple of tickets can take 30 minutes. It became a process, including washing clothes. You wash them like this, and then you put there. You have to depend on sun. But here, when I came to the United States, wow, you put your, your clothes. I put them down there in 1999, and you put in a dryer. So talk about 45 minutes, you're done. No one, most people come to the practice, they think that within two days they will be enlightened. That's called microwave approach. <laughs> and they try, try, and then we say, don't worry, just do this, do this. Uh, but, but, but. This is a gradual process. The key is that you are on a path. It's very, very important to know that you are on the path. And the path is the right one that leads to, uh, to the insight into non-self. This self-notion actually is very convincing. And we need it. We need to have an identity. Hmm? I'm a Ugandan. Imagine you come to Uganda and the immigration asks you, who are you? I'm non-self. <laughs> Will they identify you? No way. <laughs> so we need to identify ourselves. Okay, this is my identity, the culture. To that extent, it's okay. We need to have security, huh? to be secure. Hmm? If you, you go to home, uh, you go, return home, and uh, people ask you, oh, welcome back from the retreat. Uh, how was the retreat? Oh, this, oh, this African monk teaching about non-self. And uh, I feel insecure, actually. <laughs> I have no longer self now. <laughs> They'll just look at you like this. If you think that you're going to go home and say you don't have a self, these friends of yours are going to have a, a second thought about you. So it means to be secure. We need to really tell people that I'm the one who's been meditating and uh, I got this insight and all the things. And also we need to be very certain about things. Hmm? Certainty. We are very certain that this is happening. And on that level, uh, we need to really see what are those concepts, the concept of self. I found out to, this to be very helpful. Three areas, if you are going to understand the teaching on non-self. The first level, the usage of the word self, self-belief, is in a reflexive sense. Train yourself, I'll train myself. It's all over the discourse. Buddha talks about uh, train yourself. And all. So this usage is just... English way of expressing these things, you know. So on that level, it's okay. There's no problem. Then on the second level, it's a shorthand device. A shorthand device to represent what we call psychophysical phenomena. That's mean mind and body. So we have a shortcut and say, okay, I, 
I am going to give a talk on non-self. Otherwise, it will be the five aggregates are going to give a talk on non-self. It will become awkward. The five aggregates are listening to me. Uh, not me, sorry. The five aggregates are listening to five aggregates. That would be quite something, actually. Let me tell you what Joseph answered me, actually. I was warming up to see where he's going to get the answer. When I told him, if there's no self, whose birthday are you uh, celebrating? And then he told me, you know, Stephen, my name's Stephen. This is what? I say it's a table. But what is a table? <laughs> it's a name, a designation we give something. And in fact, when you bring a microscope, telescope, whatever those gadgets, I don't know how to measure this thing. There's more space. Hmm? There's more space than what you see as a table. It's a designation. It's a piece of wood, actually. It's just a piece of wood. But we've dis- made this designation for our convenience. Otherwise, meditators, they will go to Walmart, they will start, and I would like to buy four elements. This, you see, hardness. They look at you like this. You know, meditators, sometimes they're very problematic, you know? <laughs> yes, so they, they come up with things, you know? You go to Walmart, I would like to buy four elements. No, even not I. Five aggregates are going to buy four elements. <laughs> this is the correct thing, you know? This is the right thing, actually, to do. And maybe since people are not overcoming this issue, we should actually start communicating like this. Really, actually. Because people don't get it. What was the Buddha talking when he's talking about non-self? So we, here we go. Start communicating. You come to my interview. Five aggregates have come to talk to you about... Uh, for me, I will be f- fine <laughs> if that helps you <laughs> to snap from all this thing, you know. I'm okay. I don't know about t- other teachers, but... It's okay. Because I think people are confused about this concept. And concepts are there for us, for us to live in this world in a very functional way. That's why I challenged you, it's half moon. And <laughs> well, I don't know if the moon decides to be one time half moon, to the full moon, to the quarter. Does it do? <laughs> the moon doesn't have those decisions. But guess what? We monastics, we love this. Full moon day, before Saturday. And that's when we push an extra envelope. We meditate. Sometime in the monastery, we meditate until 2. Full moon day. <laughs> Another thing that I found to be actually very interesting is this mumbo jumbo of sunrise and sunset. One time I was going to Sweden, and uh, I was in London somewhere, in London, up there in the sky. I was seeing up there in the air, it was a sunny shine. But when I looked at in London, somewhere in the UK, I don't know whether it was London, but somewhere, it was dark. It's amazing. It was totally dark. But for me, going through the sky and going to uh, 
I, 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 had to, I think I was going to Switzerland, actually. Switzerland. I was so amazed how we get caught up in sunrise and sunset. Don't take people to court if they say, okay, there's sunrise, and say, no, there's no sunrise. You are, to, you are talking something wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. You just know that actually this is a form of communication and just leave it there. Another usage. That the Buddha was fine with that, to have a shorthand, a shorthand device. And then he called the individual, which is a person. He called it a Pali word is called Pugala. Pugala means a person. The Buddha didn't say there's no person meditating. The person is there, of course, with the form, feelings, perception, uh, mental formation, and consciousness. Is there. He didn't say there's no such a thing like the five aggregates. Uh, the, he, in fact, that's how he, he started teaching. He said, okay, if there's anything that you are calling yourself, let us get the five aggregates and try to seek and find out where are those things you are talking about. The third usage of this self-notion is where the Buddha had a problem that the self is eternal, permanent, that's where the Buddha said, no way, I don't subscribe to this. These three levels are very important if you are going to understand this teaching. One level is reflexive sense, sense, myself, yourself. Another level is actually a shorthand device, I to represent the five aggregates, mind-body mind body process. Another third usage is where the Buddha, and that's what the Buddha found when he came to, uh, to, to India, and people will say, no, there is a permanent self. According to these Upanishads, uh, there is many Upanishads, and they were talking about a self, a soul. It's a soul. No? It's permanently permanent, and also it is an authority. Hmm? And also, actually, it has a core. There's a core in it. Uh, maybe it's like a thumb. This theory actually kept on evolving, evolving. Some say it's like as small as a thumb. And it's just amazing. But the Buddha say, okay, let's find out what you're talking about. What do you call a self, a soul, that it has authority? It's, it's like a CEO, a governor. I would like now to subject it to only five things and we find out for ourselves. What are those five things? Are the five aggregates. That's why you cannot learn or understand this concept outside the five aggregates. You need to understand it within the context of five aggregates, within the context of impermanence, because impermanence is, the other side, is, the side, is another side of the coin. So on one time we have impermanence, on this side is non-self. Then also you have to understand this concept. If you are even to attempt to understand it, you have to understand it based on dependent arising, causes and conditions. Without that, you are going to get thrown off the thing and uh, always somebody will give a talk for an hour and say, yeah, I understand it conceptually, but I have myself. Okay, that's fine. Now, 
Buddha, in one discourse, talked about Sinangutra Nikaya. The Buddha talks about the advantages of contemplating non-self. He talks about a meditator who sees uh, non-self has six advantages, and uh, it should be enough for the meditator to establish a perception of non-self in all things without exception. These are six of them the Buddha gave. I shall be a roof from the world, the world of six senses and the five aggregates. Notions of I will vanish in me. Notions of mine uh, will vanish in me. I shall be endowed with uncommon knowledge. That means supermanded knowledges. And I shall, uh, I sh- I shall have a clear understanding of causes. And the number six, I should clearly understand the phenomena arisen from causes. That's the trade-off of understanding this teaching. But the way today I like to approach the teaching of non-self today, I would like to use the template of the Four Noble Truth and say whether it's going to work for us. If we are going to understand this teaching, let us use the template of the Four Noble Truth. Problem, cause of problem, solution, and there is a solution. For this case, I found out, okay, self-notion become the first noble truth. Mm-hmm. And then the origin, the genesis of this self-belief, uh, we want also to look at it. We want also to look at the cessation of this self-notion. What, how does it end? And then number four, the path that leads to the end of this self, uh, self-notion, beliefs. So those four areas, we need to really understand them. Because every time I've been giving this talk, but always people say, mm, but still I don't understand it. And I say, okay, I'll try next year. <laughs> next year. <laughs> now, every time I come on this research and development, find out a different way of presenting it. So today I thought I'm going to present it like that. Mm-hmm. Self. Already, I've already explained you what's the self. And uh, I'm going to use also discourses, really to tell you where you can refer to if you want to understand about this structure. Hmm? Yeah, this structure. We start with one discourse. One discourse is, really, I'm just going to follow that. Already you know what self is. You know exactly what people, self-beliefs, you already know that on extremes. So, but we want to know what, the Buddha actually tracked down where does this self-notion come from? That becomes the origin of the, is, this problem. Okay, the discourse is in Sanyuta Nikaya. It's called Kanda Sanyuta, Connected Discourses of, of the Aggregates. And this d- discourse is called Nakula Pita. It's a long discourse. Actually, I thought that I'm going to give a short talk. <laughs> So I'm going to bypass some of the things. Let me start somewhere in the middle. How, um, where should I start? Then listen and attend closely householder. I'll speak. Yes, Venerable Sir. Uh, the householder Nakula Peter replied. The Venerable Sariputta said this, 
this now discourse between Venerable Sariputta and Nakulapita is a person. How should how householder is one afflicted in the body and afflicted in mind? Question mark. Now Sariputta is answering. Here, householder, the uninstructed worldling who is not a seer of no bonds and is unskilled and indisciplined in their dharma, who is not a seer of superior persons, people who have wisdom maybe, and is unskilled and undisciplined in their dharma, regards, this is how they regard, I am form, no, start form the body as self. That's more identical. Self as possessing the form, the physical body. Form as in self. Self as in form. This is a short discourse, but that's where the origins come from. Here he's using only materiality or the form, uh, physical body. But I don't have a luxury of time to start going through all each aggregate. But I would, you just remember the five aggregates are being regarded so, and that became the origin of this concept. This is very important that you know this origin because that's how we are going to be liberated, by the way. Uh, self possesses the five aggregates of clinging because actually we have to put the word clinging because People who, have, who are enlightened, they don't, who have overcome clinging, they just have only five aggregates. But as long as you, are not, uh, you have not overcome clinging, you're always going to have what you call five aggregates of clinging. So that's the first thing, that a self-notion arising when you believe that self possesses five aggregates. Then another one, it's five aggregates of clinging are in the self, inside the self. And then another belief is self is in the uh, five aggregates. Another one is the five aggregates are the same as self. All this boils down to whether identity with the self, the five aggregates are identified with uh, the self, the rest of the teaching is really talking about how they are different. And you remember in the beginning of my talk, I was talking about those who believed in eternity view, the eternalism. They knew, according to them, that the self is separate from the body, and it has to go on, leave the gravity of the karma and all the things that goes on. On one side, they believe it is identity. If the self and the body or the five aggregates are identical, that means at the moment of death, they are going to kaput, <laughs> no more. <laughs> so this is very, very important. And the way it becomes very important, this is what we call the 20 views. 20, how you get 20? Four, mm? self possesses aggregates, five aggregates, then it's in it, inside, and the other one is, is the other self is inside the five aggregates, and the same. That's four times the five aggregates. You get what you call twenty self notions. 
it's very, very important to understand it because in order to attain first level of enlightenment, that's what you have to overcome. One by one, maybe on Monday you can start with one, Tuesday, or you can be very creative. But in order to penetrate liberation, there's no corner. There's no cutting corners. This is called identity view. And those self-identity view, those are the 20 views. I hope it's clear. You can't cut out corners. <laughs> this is it. That's why it's very important to remember this origin of the notion of self. And that's the way to f- freedom, according to Buddhism. One time I was training at Bhavana Society in West Virginia. And uh, as part of our ritual, we have to go for arms round. And going for arms round in West Virginia, I'm telling you, it's amazing. <laughs> An African in robes in West Virginia going for arms round with the arms ball. It was a little bit different because in Uganda they want to buy my arms ball. They say, wow. <laughs> Back then it was the only one actually. How much you're selling? Come on, I'm looking for food. Sometimes the thought is a drum, but for most part they want to buy it. It was a basket to them, actually. Now I'm in West Virginia. I go for arms around. Our neighbor, they had spent the whole night parting. Really, parting animals. The whole night we didn't sleep, actually. So in the morning I went for arms around. There were young guys like, college students, and they were just taking a beer in the morning. I just met them when I was coming back. With nothing, of course. <laughs> because actually the hotel where I went for arms around, they reported to the monastery that we don't want this guy here. <laughs> it looks different from... <laughs> I understand that part. So, when I reached these guys, they say, hey, Come and have a beer. <laughs> I said, no. He said, well, this will get you where you want to go. That's what they told me, that this beer is going to get you into enlightenment that you are looking <laughs> So people have a different way of enlightenment. But if you want the Buddhist version of it, this is it. So you better get to know 20 ways of wrong belief in self. Here's the good news that uh, now we go to the third noble truth. As usual, always the third noble truth. Right? Here the same discourse is talking about uh, in which way, I'm just summarizing it, in which way householder that one is affl- afflicted in the body and afflicted, uh, afflicted in mind, that was the question. And how householder is one afflicted, afflicted in the body, but not afflicted in the mind? Here's the answer. And this answer also is very, very important. Because this will make you know how to overcome these self-notions, self-belief. Here, 
householder, the instructed. The other one was uninstructed. Here, the instructed noble disciple, who is a seer of the noble ones, the wise people, and is skilled and disciplined in the dead dharma, who is a seer of superior persons and is skilled and disciplined in their dharma, does not regard the five aggregates. I'm just shortening it as possessing self or inside the self and the other way around and also same as self. So I just want to summarize it that way. So again, if you have to really practice that way so that you don't regard these five aggregates in that way, you will overcome that notion. The discourse continue. He uh, does not live obsessed uh, by the notions I am form, form is mine, and he lives unobsessed by those notions that form of his changes and alters. With the change and alteration of form, there uh, do not arise in him sorrow, lamentation, pain, uh, uh, despair, and, and the displeasure, and so on with the feeling. So this discourse is talking about you can get, maybe you are sick in the body, but don't get sick in the mind by actually uh, taking things like that. But this looks like an intellectual exercise, eh? not to be obsessed, and I like the word obsession, because we are actually obsessed with this notion. But for me, I found out a discourse that really, that the Buddha used first time. He taught his monks, five disciples, he taught them the Noble Eightfold Path, Dhamma Chakka Pawatna Sutta, and they, they became stream enterers. The Buddha was wondering, these monks are not becoming like him, Arahants. And because they are coming from the Brahmins eh, system, eh, the Brahmins, eh, they already had the concept of self, which is attaining things, you know. Yeah? <laughs> the, the self, really, now doing the practice, just like us, you know. Yeah, there's a self going from, from one place to another. So they still had that concept. And five days from the time he taught them the Noble Eightfold Path, he taught them Anattalakana Sutta. Anattalakana Sutta, which means the discourse on the signs of non-self, he taught them and the, all the five disciples attained full liberation. And that time there were six arahants, including the Buddha. I thought that if you really want to understand these concepts, it's better you read the discourse. It's here. I, don't, I may not need to read the whole discourse. This is the path. I told you we, we approach this in four ways. One is the origin of the, the self-notion. One is the cessation and the path. So it's very clear that if you want to really break into this concept of non-self and you understand fully, Read this discourse. It's so beautiful. It, again, it's talking about the five aggregates. I may not read the whole discourse, but I'm just going to talk about, okay. Thus have I had, on one occasion, the blessed one was dwelling at 
Baranarasi, in the Deer Park in Istipatana. I've been to all these places actually are still existing. There the breast on uh, address the bhikkhus of the group of the five. Thus, bhikkhus. Vernabasa, those bhikkhus replied. The blessed one said this. Bhikkhus, form is non-self. When I say form, you know all the five aggregates. For if bhikkhus, form of the five aggregates were self, this form would not lead to affliction. And it would be possible to have it uh, of the five aggregates. Let my five aggregates be thus. Let my five aggregates not be thus. That's what Joseph was talking about. Joseph was saying, I wish I can, <laughs> so that don't get this like this. He mentioned it, actually. But because the five aggregates are non-self, five aggregates leads to affliction, and it's not possible to have it of five aggregates. Let my five aggregates be thus. Let my form, not my five aggregates not be thus. I think Joseph was talking about aging, you know. He can say, well, I mean, he was talking about not dying. <laughs> because you remember the belief in self-notion, it was the authority. It was authority that is governing everything. But the Buddha found out there's no authority. There's no CEO. I mean, you age, you get sick, you... You know this whole thing, you know. You can't control it. It's beyond control. It's ungovernable. All these insights, if you practice like this and you have an hindrance and you want to go, the hindrance to go away and it's not going away, you know that now you're realizing the insight into non-self. Because if we, you had the self, you would say, no, I don't have hindrances. I'm just going to have beautiful states of mind. Oh, joy. In fact, most of us, if you think you have a self, you come here and meditate and say, I'm just going to have a good seat. Good luck on that. <laughs> May I have joy the rest of the day. But you can't. <laughs> you can rearrange your stuff, you know, a good cushion and everything. And you have the worst meditation. And then... You can come and see a seat, you know, you don't expect a good seat. Wow. You see the whole thing really so peaceful and kind and joyful and all that. And you say, I'm going to be a Dharma teacher. Eh? <laughs> At least that's what I thought, actually. When I meditated in India in 1994 in Toshita Monastery, ah, there's this practice of noting the intention and I mean, for 12 days in 1994, I just felt that I'm floating in the air, you know? When I, wow. You know what I did? I said, I'm going to introduce, introduce meditation to the whole African continent. <laughs> That's how, <laughs> I know what comes from meditation. I said the entire African continent must understand what I discovered. I quickly wrote to His Holiness the Dalai Lama and wrote to him, I want to form what you call African-Tibetan Friendship Society in entire Africa to introduce Buddhism and meditation and all this kind of thing. I met him, actually. He gave me six months. Uh, he was coming from Holland. And all that. He gave me a private audience. And exactly that's what I told him. 
And I asked him two things. How do I do it? <laughs> That's what I asked him. How do I do it? And another thing, please bless me to do this work. <laughs> Scratch the head a little bit. I said, okay, he told me, first get friends. That's what he told me. If you want to do this, first get friends in order to do the work you want to do in the entire continent. I struggled to get friends. Every time I was telling them meditation, oh, medication. Every time I tell them, let's meditate, they say, what are you talking about? I was so frustrated, actually. I would see African people in India because I was a student there. I was on an exchange program. And people didn't understand what I'm talking about. Anyway, he gave me a blessing. It took me exactly 10 years. 10 years to recognize what the Dalama was telling me. I, I left India, moved a little bit in Thailand, Tibet, Malaysia, and finally South America, Bolivia, Chile, and finally I ended up here in 1999. And then I was having all these friends with the Dharma I was talking about, the Joseph, the Sharon, and all these people. I was here on staff, and I'm telling you, I got so many friends, all Dharma teachers, I really got to see them here because I was a retreat coordinator. I was working in the front office, and every time I would just really say, wow, when am I going to get friends to do this work in Africa that I promised the Dalai Lama? So yes, you can really get into insights and say, yes, I'm going to, uh, I'm, when I go home, I'll tell my mother to start meditating, I'll tell my father and all the things, because the insight is so revealing that really this is the work that we need to do. <laughs> This is the work we need to do, and we get into those insights. And guess what? We think they're going to be long-lived. We think we project them. In the afternoon, I'm going to have a similar sitting. Good luck. If you have the first sitting in the morning, and you think you're going to become a Dharma teacher, which is okay, and start Dharma centers and all that, be careful. <laughs> in the afternoon... <laughs> It might turn out to be different, and you say, what have I run, done wrong? You didn't change your cushion. You didn't change, suddenly, you didn't change your teachers. They're not giving you bad instructions. And it's all over. And that's what Joseph was talking about. This is happening is because precisely there's non-self. If there was a self, you should really actually write it down. In the morning, I'm going to have a good seat. In the afternoon, I'll have a good seat, and maybe your timetable will not have any bad seats. All of them are going to be very good seats. But <laughs> things have their own schedule to keep. Pain has its schedule to keep. Isn't it? We're all familiar with that. For me, actually, when I meditate, and really I found out my meditation is not very good, that's the time to realize the insight of non-self. Because if I want jhanas, I would just say, okay, let, let me have this jhana. <laughs> but everything comes due to causes and conditions. Causes and conditions. Causes and conditions. That's why I say that this is a gradual path. Look at what are the causes and conditions. This is very impo important. This discourse that led these monks, uh, five of them, to become in Latin, he was talking about if five aggregates, uh, he was talking about is five aggregates because he, he went one by one because it's very systematic and this is also of course chanting tradition or oral tradition 
So they had to go one by one, but for the sake of saving time, we're talking about five aggregates. Is five aggregates permanent or impermanent? Is, then he keep on going like that. Um, is what is impermanent, suffering or happiness? Suffering, venerable sir, they are as, uh, answering him. Is what is impermanent, suffering, subject to change, fit to be regarded as this is mine, this is I, this is myself. You remember I told you I am which? Hmm? This is I, this is myself, mine, this is myself. Uh, no, venerable sir, therefore because any kind of five aggregates whatsoever, whether past, 11 aspects, the Buddha talking about 11 aspects, whether past, future, present, internal, external, gross, subtle, inferior, superior, fur, or near, all five aggregates, all five aggregates should be seen as this really uh, is with correct wisdom and insight. Thus, this is not mine, this is not I am, no, this I am not, this is not myself. On and on and on. So two, two discourses you need to know. One is in, in Sanyuta. Both of them in Sanyuta Nikaya, Kandaka Vaga. And another one is actually in another Sanyuta Nikaya, which is called Anatalakana Sutta. That's the way to go. Still in doubt? Okay. More is coming. We have a plenty of time now, 80 minutes. I found out three words that you need to do, to know. One is anatta. What's anatta? Which is non-self. Another one, anatalakana, because the sutta has given that name, the signs of impermanence. Uh, sorry, the signs of non-self. Another important word that you need to know is anatta. Anatta anupasana. This means contemplating along the signs. What are the signs of non-self? So we have now to to uh, to look at what the Buddha. I mean, the, those people what they called uh, uh, self. It was having a core. So that's a sign. As long as you see that this has no core, then you know that this is. You need to contemplate along that sign. That's what we call anatta anupasana, uh, means along. Anu means along, pasana means seeing, contemplating along. Most of the people, the mistake they make is that when they hear about anatta, they think they're just going to realize anatta without doing any work. So you need to do two things more than anatta. What's anatta? Is the five aggregates of clinging. Two words that you need to know, anatta lakana. What are the signs of anatta? It's just like going to Boston. You need to look at a sign. Yeah? And if you get a sign wrong, you end up in Uganda, I think. <laughs> People ignore the signs. <laughs> you need to see the sign. And once you see the sign to Boston, whatever, then you know that you're on the right path. Most people take into this another thing, you know, to think that it's just a concept that is going to just enter the head. <laughs> Somewhere in the nose or you need to know what are the signs. Even the Buddha gave a whole discourse to show you that there is no core as a sign. 
he gave five similes. He talked about the physical form as form, F-O-A-M. It's just, just like this. There's nothing inside. With the feelings, he talks about bubula. The Pali word is bubula, bubbles. <laughs> like bubbles, there's nothing, you know. I recently I looked at bubbles. I just staying there. I said, wow, let me have a look at this. They looked real. And one of them was pop, pop, and they disappeared. So these are our feelings. Don't take things, feelings personally. They're just bubble, you know? Especially the pleasant one. <laughs> oh, we've been selling for this unpleasant one, but when they count pleasant, ah, finally I arrived. Finally. What can I do with this feeling? It's so beautiful. And then we get attached, you know? So know that it's also another thing that is changing. It has no core. Then for, for perception, Buddha talked about mirage. It's like a mirage. When you were, I was very young and uh, sitting there cursing the mirage, I was thinking this water actually. Only to reach there, there was no water. So that's perception, the way we perceive things. And the problem is that we human beings, we take our, our perception so seriously. No? <laughs> so it's just a mirage. It's just changing and there's no substance. And then for mental formation, where there are vivid emotions, the Buddha talked about a plantain tree. Hmm? You peel it, you peel it, you peel it, you can't find anything. If you don't have plantain, maybe you can relate to onion. It's the same thing. And then for consciousness, the Buddha gave an analogy of a magician trick. When they just do something, you, you just go behind, nothing is there. But inside, is very, I mean, when you, they are doing it, it's very convincing. There's something real. But really going behind and see what they are doing, there's nothing, really. So those are signs. There's other signs. Another sign, like if you look at... Uh, uh, self is it was taken to be happiness but the sign of non-self is the opposite it was taken to be unconditioned it has authority so we have to look at those signs we have to look at the signs whenever you practice meditation and you see impermanence be rest assured that you have seen the insight into anatta because it's one side of the coin you cannot see things as Impermanence, on one side you, you maintain the idea that there's a self inside there. So then another thing we have to look at the sign is that happiness is what they took a self to be. But the opposite of that is suffering. So that's an insight which you call dukkha. Once you see that, be reassured that you are seeing also uh, another. Then another one is because the self was taken to be core, and then you look at corelessness, there's no substance, then you know that you have an atlakana. Then another one is what we call unconditioned. Because the self was taken to be unconditioned, then non-self then will be the opposite. When you see things are just rising and passing away under cause and condition, then the insight into anatta is also there. So those things are something that I want to offer for you. And uh, what masquerades this non-self is actually things look so solid, solidity of things, they look so solid. 
I'll offer you one teaching that really can really lead you to uh, non-self. Is the Noble Eightfold Path. If those who don't remember it, I have a, a, a caption. I mean, uh, I have an acronym that can re- help you. Whenever you practice in Noble Eightfold Path, you are going to end up with non-self. Because that's a teaching the Buddha gave the middle way that steer away from uh, these two, two extremes. So what he taught was the middle way. That middle way is the noble eightfold path, what I, uh, I would say Visa, American Express, and MasterCard. <laughs> so you have those three cards. Somebody told me that my business mind is still there because when I went to India, I was to study business <laughs> and told me that the mind has not left me. Anyway, Visa, that's view, right view. Uh, understanding. Then I stands for intention, uh, thoughts, it's the same thing. Then A stands for speech, and then A stands for action, right action. So that's the visa part. You need a MasterCard, right mindfulness, and right concentration. So concentration for C, and M for M is mindfulness. And then American Express, E there is effort. And livelihood, alimentation, maybe it's closer to the word livelihood. So anyway, three cards you need in order to dismantle this self-delusion. You are going to break it through. You are going to break through as long as you are in that flow of right understanding, right thought. And all these beautiful teachings we are giving, they are just actually rotating around that. They are rotating around the noble eightfold path because that's the middle way that stayed away from these views of the self. One is a, a metaphysical self, another one is a physical self, which all of them are leading to a lot of suffering. Anyway, this is a talk for today. I hope it makes sense, but tomorrow I might get a, a question. Mm, but uh, if there's no self, then who's listening? <laughs> Thank you very much. Maybe we are Let's sit for a moment or two. May all beings get liberated through breaking through self-delusion. I offer this for your reflection. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.